Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is New to Two. Hello, everybody. I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me this evening, Nicole Davis, how are you? I'm actually pretty well, Brett. It's, uh, it's like the se- second night out of the last like six weeks where I haven't been sewing. And it's, I'm, I feel a little adrift, actually. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I thought but you were about to name... Okay like what week of quarantine it is and i don't even know at this point oh, i don't know <laughs> and assuming that know, this six, extends five, you listening to this now listener may still be in a stay at home so hopefully you're enjoying getting podcasts and wear a mask uh <laughs> david luzader how are you this was your pick this week yeah um you know, don't want to take people too far down a road into my personal life, but I'll just say that Woody and I really understand each other oh. uh, at this at this current moment. So, you know. yeah, Woody's going through some stuff in this movie, and that means, of course, we watched a Toy Story movie. In fact, the fourth Toy Story. It was a new to two. That means David got to pick a movie neither myself nor Nicole had ever seen before. So neither me or Nicole had ever seen Toy Story four. But with that said, I do want to announce next week's movie. Next week is Netflix Roulette. We spin the wheel. It spits something out at us. We do want to make a note here, though. Uh, we reason we've always done Netflix is because everyone seems to just have Netflix. It is the go-to streaming service. Uh, we have expanded a little bit. It's kind of the net prime wheel now. We've included Prime Video. The reason behind that is because it has... A significantly large catalog as well. It brings a bunch of movies into the mix, particularly some older films. Um, and most people have it because it's tied to your Amazon subscription, and we are all part of that giant corporate beast. So know that even though it's called Netflix Roulette, you can get either a Prime Video or a Netflix. We will make sure to mention which one it is so you can follow along. And of course, you can always rent these movies wherever if you don't have any of those streaming services. This movie is a prime movie. The one we picked, uh, or rather the wheel spun, is Moonstruck 1987. We're going back in the cage territory. Just every time you get away from it, it pulls you right back in. No getting away from it, guys. There's only Uh, so far we can go before he catches us. Like, he's around every corner. (laughs) He truly is. So, uh, But this is one of his more beloved movies. So, uh, And it features share which will be very interesting so moonstruck check it out on prime video if you'd like to follow along for next week but this week toy story 4 woody and buzz have been living happily with their new kid bonnie when bonnie crafts some trash into a new toy forky woody makes it his mission to ensure that forky stays safely with bonnie but when bonnie and her parents take a road trip with all the toys woody has to work overtime to make sure forky never becomes a lost toy Woody also discovers that perhaps being lost isn't the horrible fate he imagines. David, why Toy Story 4? Uh, Well, because you two hadn't seen it, and that just felt like a shame. 
Um, also, uh, because I, I saw this movie when it was in theaters and I greatly enjoyed it. And I thought that you two would probably enjoy it as well. It's, uh, it was also a very popular movie. So I figure a lot of our audience, um, would have seen it or, you know, might, might use this as an excuse themselves to see it. So Toy Story 4. Ah, toy. remember, remember theaters? <laughs> remember how great that experience was? Can't wait to get yes. back to that. Uh, so I actually want to jump into one of the discussion topics a little further down our list based on what you just said, which was seeing it in the theater. Because my initial question while watching this, and I'm, I'm, at, I'm at kind of the tail end of like, I was just young enough to kind of comprehend movies around the time like the first Toy Story came out. So I definitely grew up with these movies. Um, and then obviously people five, six, seven years older than me also grew up with them. So David, this is very much our generation of, of movie growing up. Um, what is the audience for Toy Story for? Is it the people that grew up with Toy Story and now they're taking their very young ones or their siblings? Or is it a new generation of young ones that want to go see this because they see an ad or a trailer and they want to go, you know, without being prompted by parental nostalgia. Because I wonder if it's maybe some of the former. And that's okay. I'm just, I'm very curious, like, what was the theater like and what do we think of that? Uh, well, speaking as someone who was in the theater, um, there were still, you know, there were people who were around our age. There were people there with kids. There were younger people. Because I Toy Story is kind of a universally loved property. Uh, I think... I mean, I, I think it's hard to say like, well, this, you know, it's just for people who grew up with it because I think it still resonates with kids and, you know, kids are now watching the old movies, um, especially as they're more accessible with stuff like Disney plus, I think that it's for everyone. The movie made a billion dollars. Everyone saw it. <laughs> I mean, not everyone, but a lot Except of people. Us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think, Nicole? I don't know. I mean, the reason that I didn't see it wasn't because of my age. It was because I thought that Toy Story 3 had wrapped everything up just about perfectly. Couldn't imagine anything further um, seeming like anything but a, a tacked-on afterthought. And I didn't want to spoil my... Uh, impression of the first three films by you know watching the matrix revolutions of a series <laughs> kind of thing and so that's that's why i stayed away from it originally i mean i don't i don't think it has to do with age i mean i was still you know going to see kids movies in my 20s before i had kids and i went to see children's movies after i had kids and i still go see some children's movies today so Oh, sure. And, and, and gosh, Pixar puts out a quality product. Absolutely. And we've had movies like, uh, gosh, uh, you know, Into the Spider-Verse animated children's movie, but so universally amazing that adults love it, too. Um, well, that's yeah, that's that's this thing. I mean, these are family <laughs> movies. They are not. Yeah, I would I would say that's more family, which I wouldn't call Spider Into the Spider-Verse a children's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. But but with this movie especially, um, it's a it's a family movie, which means like they know like parents are going to see this, and parents are going to see it ten million times. Uh, so people <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, because people always talk about like, oh, I can't believe they slipped those jokes in. Like that went way over my head as a kid. It's like because it wasn't for you as a kid. It's because they knew your parents were going to be around, and they were going to have to watch this and see it. So they wanted to make it enjoyable for you as for them as well. Uh, yeah, it's it's just it's a they're movies for all ages. Do you guys think that there's any the the lineage of Toy Story four, the way it tells its stories, and the devices of using the toys? Um, how do you think it does in a world where I, I just don't see kids playing with toys the same way that you do in Toy Story and the way that kids were when the first one were coming out? It's more of, I already have something that with a touchscreen, like it, it's a different style of playing that is not as present in modern culture. Does that affect the movies at all? Do you think? This is the part where we remind everyone that Brett doesn't have children. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, if you've got, a kid that goes to daycare, then they have toys. If you have, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, and a lot of parents, uh, or at least the the way that I did my parenting, and I'm not trying to sound superior by saying yeah, this. Yeah, tell them how we to were, do it, Nicole. We no, we were <laughs> we were worried about the kids, you know, getting addicted to screens at a very young age. So we were careful to make that a very limited experience and we we waited as long as we felt like we could um before getting them into games and toys that were computer based um screen and i mean it certainly didn't stunt their computer acumen i can't pry them off laptop (laughs) now anymore um that they're in their teens but you know, the, yeah, I mean, P- yes. The, the short answer is yes. Kids still have toys today, like physical <laughs> toys that they yeah. play with. I guess it's a cynical side of me <laughs> that walks down the street and I see more kids like playing with their parents' iPhone or iPad than I do, you know, fake flying a, a plane or driving a little RV like they do in this movie. But I, I, yeah, I know to- toys still exist. <laughs> yeah, screens are definitely more ubiquitous. Um, and I have, you know, I have family that has kids that. Uh, there's kind of in, in, in the wider birth of my family, you know, there's some families that are very much like screens are basically what they have and they've grown up with screens and them all the time. But you also have the ones that basically barely ever have screen time or have very minimal screen time and they still play with a lot of toys. And, you know, I think there is like, there, there definitely is a little bit of screens are now more everywhere and have probably overtaken a, a, a chunk of that market but I don't think that toys have gone away. Yeah, definitely. I I, I think that was the more cynical side of me while watching this movie, but I, mean, I will. Oh, go ahead. I, I will say that the reason that Pixar keeps making cars movies is not because uh, people are clamoring for more cars movies. It's because they sell so much merchandise and so many toys when they make cars movies. That's a really no, good I point. It was John Lasseter had a fixation well, there's also the fetish part, but we're, we're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> uh, well, along with uh, era of more screens and all that good stuff means we've come leaps and bounds over the Toy Stories over the years, especially because there was a gap between two and three, and then there was another gap between three and four. Um, the level of animation this has gotten to is absolutely insane. Uh, and David, you mentioned that. Nicole mentioned the lighting, you know, the sunlight streaming into the antique store the carnival outside at night. Uh, this is 
top, this is the highest level of Pixar I've ever seen. It's Bo Peep, the way that her uh, porcelain skin reflects light is just crazy. And I, at one point when I was watching the movie, uh, when Woody was talking to uh, Gabby Kathy, I think is Christina Hendricks's character's name. And just I noticed floating near him, not even like a focus, not even something that you would even directly pay attention to were dust particles. Just mm-hmm. little dust particles floating through the air. And it was just this small, subtle thing that I was like, those look real. You know, the cat in this movie looks so real. It is just crazy what they're able to accomplish. Like the water physics is just, it it is crazy. I I, I just, I'm blown away the more that I kind of study it. Well, I'd argue about the cat being terribly real. The cat moves in a realistic way, but I think they're careful not to try too hard to make the cat or the people look realistic. You know, because then it gets a little un- uncanny valley. Yes. If you try too hard at that and miss. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The people uh, still are a little you know, bit like cartoon. Like Polar Express sort of effect. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the backgrounds, yeah, the backgrounds are amazing. Like the the cobwebs between the shelving in the antique store it are matte you know they don't reflect light at all like real cobwebs do not they're just sort of hanging there in a dusty and that you know they moved in the right way and it's they are they get every detail at pixar they do not overlook anything well even the the when they fall down in the antique store in between furniture and it looks it's like I would not think as an animator to make sure that it looks as dusty and grimy and nasty between furniture as it always is. And they yeah. take that they really they really take that to the next level. It's remarkable. Uh, and, and I will also say, as long as we're talking about the the characters and avoiding that uncanny valley, I also think they did a really exceptional job, and I'll just put this in our slack here and just Google a photo of Andy from Toy Story 1 versus oh, Andy in this movie. <laughs> Andy in Toy Story 1 is nightmare fuel. That is uh-huh. the face of a demon. And in this, he's normal. <laughs> and the 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 difference there is astounding. Yeah, so the commentary kind of over the years has become like, oh, Andy's mom was like a single mother raising these two kids and doing all this and blah, blah. Uh, originally, when the first movie came out in 1995, the reason that Andy didn't have a dad is because humans are incredibly hard to animate, um, <laughs> especially in 1995. So they wanted to have as few people as possible, you know, even like go back and watch like the party scene. They do everything they can to not show you people, not show you faces to show you as little of human beings as possible. Uh, so the reason there wasn't a dad is because like, we're not going to spend the time animating a dad. That's too much work. <laughs> Wasn't there always kind of, and and I haven't seen one through three in a very long time, so I might need some refreshers. Wasn't there always kind of like the, like the, the Calvin and Hobbes type thing where we never show anything more than the parents' feet? Like you don't Um, see their faces. You're thinking peanuts. Calvin and Hobbes, you see the parents all the time. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of peanuts. I'm sorry. Peanuts, you never see an adult with Charlie Brown and uh, Snoopy and everything. It's always just the kids and Snoopy. But also like their feet, like you, you only saw the mom from like waist down in the first one, if I remember correctly. I think you, I think oh, you now see you're thinking your... Muppet babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think you see your face in a couple of shots, but I think okay. that mostly they, they tried to avoid having to show more 
uh, then, you know, then they, they had to. Cause that's one thing I noticed with this movie was like, I felt like I saw his parents for really the first time. Like they were characters for the first time. Yeah. And offered their own bumbling, you know, comedic elements of the father. Just everything is going wrong with this seemingly quite short and unclear road trip about where they're going. But nothing's going right for the poor guy. Are we home? Huh? Sir, will you please step out of the vehicle? Dad's totally going to jail. One thing, and, and the mom is uh, a voice by Laurie Metcalf. There's just something so interesting about the people that they get for these tiny, tiny little roles. Tiny. And I, yes. I know that she, yeah, she kind of has some some history with the, you know, with the franchise, obviously having done voices before. But like uh, Bill Hader is the carny, mm-hmm. has no major line or scenes, but it but, Bill Hader is in this movie. And I, I know I know Nicole wants to talk about the the old toys in the closet. Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, was, that was that was something that I I wouldn't have known if it weren't for the subtitles because they don't say the toys names um while they're talking, but you know, the elephant is Mel Brooks and it, the character name is Melephant Brooks. Uh, there's Carl Rhinoceros, voiced by Carl Reiner, Cheryl Burnett, uh, voiced by Carol Burnett, and Bitey White, the tiger uh, teething toy, <laughs> voiced by <laughs> Betty White for, like, I don't know, a sentence? It, yeah. Is it like have, one sentence? <laughs> they, they have a couple of lines. They're so, so good, though. I. I love when when Carl Reiner's going on about like we used to play house and you made a house and you sat in it and you lived there and that was what we did. So good, <laughs> yeah. and they they do a lot of these um, now, especially with Disney Plus. They're doing so many of these little animated things that are like they, that are extra Toy Story related. Uh, where it's like you know they've they've done a whole bunch of um, Forky asks a question. <laughs> and they'll have some of the other voice actors. They have Tony Hale doing Forky, and they have some of the other characters who are, you know, Bonnie's toys coming in and helping kind of with these little shorts. Like, just give me one that is just the old toys talking about whatever. Like, I would just love give that. Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, Carol Burnett, and Betty White, uh, and Alan Oppenheimer just in the closet talking about the good old days. Like, perfect. That's all I want. So is Toy Story, if you think about it, like in the in 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 the the Mount Rushmore of awesome beloved animation, if you were to compare it to just films and franchises in general that are live action, it's almost like the Star Wars of animation in the sense that there's such high prestige just around the fan base and people who love this that everyone wants to have a piece of it, even if it just means that J.J. Abrams is going to let you stand in a Stormtrooper suit so you can say you were there and you're also James Bond. Like, I feel like that, or or Simon Pegg, like, I feel like it's that level of, I just want to say I I was there. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. I Yeah. I personally would say that Pixar as a whole is sort of fills that role more, where if somebody... You know, if I were an actor and someone called my agent saying, hey, you know, it's Pixar. We're making a movie about something or other. Yes. Yes, she'll do it. She'll do it. Exactly. 
Uh, Though I do wonder if there's something fine. She'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Though I do wonder if there's something even more though with Toy Story. Like this is their longest running franchise. You know, this kicked off Pixar. This is the film that all these actors have probably, you know, introduced their kids to when animation was coming out. Like there's something I think particularly unique about Toy Story's place within Pixar's library. I, I, I think the difference though is that you don't have um, a ton of people doing because there are a bunch of like small little bit roles. Like at, at the very end, um, there were like the two frogs during the credit. Um, you know, if, if it was people who were like clamoring trying to be in this thing, I think you would have a lot more like random famous people doing those lines. Um, I think mm, these are point. things like they, they go out and seek the people. Uh, though it does weird me out every time I remember that they're using Don Rickles' archival recordings for this movie. Yeah. Right. That, that was yeah. weird. And Jim Varney, was it Jim Varney's for Slinky Jim, Dog, or did they have someone doing new lines for... It's it's someone new. It's, um oh, I, I, I'm going through the cast. It's uh, Blake Clark who okay. does it now, who's a, who's a pretty good, I would say, re- you know, replacement for Jim Varney in a role. Yeah, like and he's a, he's a that guy. He's, yes. you know, if you see him, you'll recognize him, but yeah. it's it's not one where I say, oh yeah, Blake Clark, that guy, you know. Right, exactly. I don't associate the name with the face, necessarily. Man, speaking of Jim Varney, how have we not been either forced in some way, shape, or form by don't Netflix Roulette or you did this? I, how has Ernest not been heads. a thing for us yet? It's my point. <laughs> don't, shh, they don't know yet. <laughs> some iteration of it there's like 47 of them uh so you mentioned forky and i just put the word forky in our discussion topics because i feel like there's (laughs) enough to go off of with that um he's he's so delightful like if there was an actor that i would imagine would be a spork it would be tony hale and i don't know what that means (laughs) it just makes such perfect sense to me you're just like me trash on Forky, I will quote my girlfriend in which she says, um, I really was prepared for Forky to be annoying, uh, but ended up loving him. That's exactly what I thought. I came into this movie prepared to hate him. I just, there was something so stupid about the way he was marketed to me around the time that this movie was coming out as the gimmicky spoon for Spork. Um, I just didn't think I was going to like him, but he's delightful. I don't know how I feel about him. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, just because it, I get this weird vibe. Like, I wasn't sure if they were trying to convey that he was developmentally disabled in some oh, way I'm- because it was made from trash. And so he was really slow and couldn't quite track what was going on or you know if they were what they were trying to convey or if it's just that he was you know just created and trying to figure things out you know so yeah yeah as any two-day old would he'd be (laughs) confused i think um i i totally i get what you're saying but i think the the reason that i would say that wasn't the case is probably because it culminates him doing that culminates in a joke towards the end where woody's like tell buzz to go to the merry-go-round he's like what's a merry-go-round he's like well it's you know the bright blinking lights and the horses like oh a carousel (laughs) like he he names what it actually is um right i don't know i i i I just like when forky was was 
brushing her hair with the backside of the, <laughs> the back of the hairbrush. <laughs> it's me every time. It's such a great it's visual. So effect. pretty, pretty there, hair. And there's something about like the simplicity and incredible literal nature of his story arc where he goes from just constantly darting for the trash which is such a they play that 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 like gimmick just enough for it to still be funny every single time he does it especially as you have the uh the the song uh <laughs> which is what's the name the of the song the randy newman song where it's like don't go to the oh, trash or whatever you throw yourself away I yeah. won't let you throw yourself away as he's just diving unendingly toward the trash can. It's so funny, but it, it does have that, you know, the classic Pixar. We're going to learn something along the way. And Forky learns that he's more than just trash. He's a toy. And Forky it's also, so cute. I'm here for it. I don't care how obvious it is. He also gets uh, to me. What is the best line? Um, which is again in the credits when, knifey i guess comes home (laughs) and she asks him how am i alive and he says i don't know and it's like okay there all you people who are out there having your endless debates of like how are the toys alive what do they do (laughs) blah blah blah. it's just i don't know it doesn't matter who cares so what you're saying just to emphasize that the the googly eyed shift so that it's looking at the audience (laughs) and the the, the the spotlight as it's closing in on him has to shift to meet the eye. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm uh, I'm Forky. Trash? No, no, toy. I am a. We are all toys. Unique, beautiful toys. So what you're saying, David, is you don't want to talk about the discussion topic I put in, which is, are they immortal? Do they live in a constant existential hell? I just don't know. He was made, presumably, in the 50s. Does this last forever? You just don't know. I mean, this movie does decompose naturally. Right. Do they decompose naturally? Like, he gets stomped on pretty good by Andy's dad. But uh, it's... I I mean, it's, uh, you know... I don't think they're going to answer that question. They, they almost burn to death in the last I really movie. hope they don't. I don't want to see the death of like Toy Story characters. Like I put this no. in entirely jokingly. Okay. Um, and why is the stuffed back half of the zebra not independently alive? Because like in ooh, the okay. first Toy Story, you know, Sid puts together like a pair of legs from one toy and like a fishing rod. And it's somehow an alive toy that can walk around and be sentient. Oh, and Toy Story gonna, 3 doesn't, lost doesn't one of them like see through an eye that's in an entirely different place? Yeah. Mr. Potato Head. No, that's Mr. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah. That's the. That's how that's, Buzz is talking to the the toys near the gas pedal. He's talking into Mrs. Potato Head's, Head's ear. ear. Yes, that he's holding, yeah. and she can hear him from inside the RV. You can't <laughs> think about it too much. <laughs> no, but it's also uh, kind of fun too. <laughs> like, well, it's, here's the, it's in, great. Uh, I don't want to dwell on this because I will rant and get angry for the next 45 minutes. Um, (laughs) But the Pixar theory is the stupidest thing in existence. And I hate it. Um, And that is, that is people. What? Oh, sorry. Good. Uh, Do you want me to explain what the Pixar theory is? Yes, but I did want to, I just realized that I had a a related thing on the, um, our topics list, which was the, the pressing question that I had is why is, why was Andy's remote control race car oh. sentient, but the playground dump truck and the RC skunk are not sentient? 
Uh huh. Yeah. Cool. Cool. cool <laughs> I'm cool. pretty sure that's because that's like rule. the. The wasteland post-apocalyptic marauding version of uh, Bo um, hollowed out the R. I don't know. Did she kill this RC skunk in order she she could drive around and it's and it's I don't know. Right. This is, is it just those- because it doesn't have a child's name written on it. <laughs> that's an important. Is that question. the life giving thing? Is that like Frosty's hat? No. That's oh. the- Interesting. No, 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 it's not because there is a, a short in which uh, that is all about the toys from Happy Meals coming to life. <laughs> and there's a support group for the ones that have gotten lost inside the, uh, the um, what's the, like the restaurant. Yeah. Just like, yeah. <laughs> various places in the restaurant. Oh, that's funny. Uh, I always do love with Toy Story, the, the way that Pixar finds the most inventive and unique ways to show the communities of toys and how they interact in these little places that we would never find them. Like when they go and they find what seems to be like a nightclub dive bar of toys inside the antique store. And it's so perfect and amazing. And they're all, yeah. And they're all toys that you would totally imagine finding in an antique store. Like just, 1940s dolls and stuff that are just not particularly appealing. Uh, oh, I watched delightful. something on on the Easter eggs in this movie, and there are apparently two Star Wars figurines uh, down among all the other toys, and like it's a Ben Kenobi figurine, like <laughs> repeatedly using its little plastic lightsaber to try to cut the arm off the the fi- what's it the butt faced alien from the cantina that gets in the fight with. Yeah, the picks the, the fight Luke Skywalker and Ben has to cut his arm off. I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, if you got the license, right? Like, uh, I'm glad it's an Easter <laughs> egg. I don't need a a character of a Star Wars action figure. No, I missed it entirely. So you miss it if you're not looking yeah. for it. Yeah, oh, I've seen this movie twice, and I had no idea. Huh. That. Yeah, well, right on. So, Go watch okay, it again, uh, David. Yeah. Tell me what is the Pixar theory? Uh, okay, so I just am a, unfamiliar with this. A quick rundown of it is that somebody has said like all Pixar movies are connected, and they have made the most insane leaps in logic to make this theory work. Uh, and it's you know that's fine, but there are I've seen so many people who have now taken it as sort of this gospel and always kind of try to figure out how the next movie fits in to the Pixar theory, and it's it's just really dumb to me, and it's it's just a, a waste of energy because they're like, it, it, I, I, again, I don't want to rant, I don't want to go on a crazy rant about it. Um, I don't even remember how I got started on this subject in the first place. Wait, this uh, Pixar theory thinks that Monsters Inc. takes place after Wall-E. Yes, it it thinks that cars takes place after Wally. Yes, yeah, it thinks that society rebuilds itself enough to the point that we are now at. Okay, you're right. This is forty minutes of anger. We should stop. Yes, yeah, they think (laughs) Um, think that that like uh, after after Wally or after humans leave the Earth, cars take over, machines take over for a while. No, there's actually a machine (laughs) war. Okay, again, I'm not even. I'm not going into this because I will get so. Mad. But bear in mind yeah. that between Wally and monsters is, of course, a bug's life. Uh, all right, I'm I'm yes. done with this too. But <laughs> PixarTheory.com, it's a whole website. Uh, let's talk about some of our other discussion topics. Uh, moving on to another favorite, I think for probably everyone in this is Keanu. Uh, yeah. And 
I watched the the footage you sent over, Nicole, of, of Keanu doing his lines. Um, so good. Look who jumped 40 school buses and landed back into my life. Hi, Duke. Who's the cowboy? Duke meet Woody. Woody meet? Duke Kaboom, Canada's greatest stuntman. Huh. Oh, yeah. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. Yes. Huh? Just, he's so... He's the most him and Key and Peel. Like we don't have Key and Peel in our docket, but hearing them as the oh. as the bickering, um, like carnival Ducky stuffed animals, yeah, Ducky and Bunny, yeah. have some of the, so. the 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 bit that they do where they're trying <laughs> to explain how they would get the key in the antique store, it's and it's always thing. a different setup that leads to the exact same result what? of them mauling the poor owner of the antique shop. And it is my favorite so- bit in the movie. We have to get that key. It's the only way inside the cabinet. You can't be serious. How are we supposed to do that? <laughs> okay. You know what? Leave that to us. We know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, it builds so perfectly. And they this last version is just them following her home. <laughs> but they don't just do that. It's not just like while she's asleep. We have, it's like they run through how she closes the store, how she goes home, what she does with her evening. And then when she's asleep. Yeah. Lying in a bubble bath with a glass of wine. (laughs) It's so good. And plays this this like like eerie music while doing it. And then she wakes up in the middle of the night with a lightning flash of these two staring over her bed. Um, Or even in the end credits. They rise up up right behind her like it's a horror movie. Like this look in their eye. (laughs) In the end credits, they have the sequence in which they imagine themselves as laser blasting giant monsters that can destroy the carnival they're <laughs> yeah. so good uh yeah. but but dialing back from them keanu's here too and he he's terrific as his canadian failed stunt stunt man uh, apparently yeah. uh, apparently when they first like asked him uh, like to do the role he just uh started like he jumped up on the table and started doing karate chops and like was just <laughs> doing all the, these different action poses and they were just like yep nope that's it perfect <laughs> <laughs> that's what we want yeah no david put the the clip of keanu in i i thought and then i found oh, it was david okay no i, I mentioned I ex- it but then you found everybody doing their lines, okay yeah i found a, something where it showed clips from all the principal actors doing their lines and the thing that astounded me is that key and peel they weren't in the same room together yeah they really? recorded their lines separately and they got it um yeah, everybody was running their lines against the director, reading the other parts back to them. So everybody's yeah. track was recorded individually. Yeah, I think it depended on the day. I think when they did for some of the stuff, I know they did together because there's all this talk about you know recording lines on the last day and how difficult that was. But in general, yeah, uh, yeah the key and peel stuff, especially because they play off each other so well in their scenes, and that's probably just because they're like a duo that know each other so well that it's like, well, yeah, I know he's probably going to say it like this. Be. Right. It's like, it well, I know he's going to say it like this. So I'm going to say it like this. It also makes me really happy to see them in that, in that venue, you know, still being a duo that can be called upon to do things like this, because I do think that as much as I love what both of them have gone off and done in different ways, um, it's, it's a shame to just totally turn away from their chemistry uh, as a duo now that they don't have a show together um they're delightful in this um i feel like i want to talk about keanu and then i just keep going to them because they're so good um 
They're my Keanu, favorite. Keanu's so good too. As Canada's greatest stuntman. Yeah, and and <laughs> the the scene. It, but also he's dealing with like the neuroses of not being good enough as a toy. What is his kid's uh, name yeah, again? <laughs> Rajon. Oh my yeah. god! The final jump. This Canadian is for name. you, Rashawn. Okay, what he said. Yeah, and he's flying through the air, and the the fireworks are exploding behind him, and then he hits that light bulb. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. my god! Just so I, I, just so many moments in this movie cracked me up at the time that I saw it, and again today. Just so good. It's it's perfectly written. Uh, I do want to mention that I think, and maybe. And I remember this growing up with Toy Story. Has Toy Story always been kind of mildly terrifying, depending on the kind of kid uh-huh. you are? Yes. Because yeah. I remember Toy Story really bothering me with Sid. Was his name Sid? Yes. Where he'd like yes, torture the, the toys. Sid there tortured was, the toys. Yeah. There's always something kind of eerie in Toy Story movies. And like in this one, as a grown ass man, I'm like, oh, those puppets, like they are horrifying. Um, I could see myself being a little scared of that if I was, you know seven years old or whatever five years old whatever the demo is to to you know be scared of something like that well let's circle back to benson in a minute but i mean just the the concept of my toys are alive as soon as i leave the room <laughs> that's a good point doing their own thing and are doing things behind my back when i'm not paying attention that's kind of creepy uh, it, it is now yes but I, there was like a wonder to it when I was a kid, cause I was seven or eight when the first movie came out. And I think remember, I don't know, just like, like then having conversations with other kids about like the stuff we assumed our toys were up to when we weren't in the room. <laughs> I like, feel like, like <laughs> yeah, there's just this kind of feeling of like, yeah, that's what happens <laughs> when we're not there. Right. That makes sense. I feel like you and I were on different spectrums of that because for me it was like, oh my god, the Sid toys that have like eyes missing, and it's like the Island of Misfit toys that he's tortured when they first run into them, and they're all horrifying. And there's that one I, I'll never forget, like the head on top of like the spider claws. Oh yeah, Do the you know baby what? doll oh, head. That's terrifying. <laughs> like like, uh, and, and I realized while watching this that the, uh, I mean, yes, Gabby, Gabby's like story ends up being really you know shockingly heartwarming and took a turn i did not expect um goodness her hunt of of woody for the first half of the movie uh it's kind of terrifying she's like a mafia don with her four enforcers in their suits yes but but then but then like you find out at the end she's just like any other toy and she just wants to be loved and i really i really did love that like she was not uh, she ended up not being like this movie doesn't have a straight up villain kind of in the way the first one doesn't really have. A, I mean, Sid kind of is, um, but he's more like an antagonist than he really is like a villain um, where Toy Story 2 had the prospector and three had Lotso. Uh, this movie just like it has someone that you come around at the end and you uh, you want her to have a kid. And I, I just want to share this moment because watching it again for this still got me messed up. When that little girl is lost in the carnival, uh, she looks like my niece, kind of. And uh-huh. watching that the first time really messed me up. Uh, oh. And watching it even again today, I was still like, oh, no, Lucy. Oh, no. Where is she? Okay? <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's where this movie got me. 
was the little lost girl. You know, if you've ever had kids and they've gotten lost and every kid gets lost at one point or another because they they will run off and not notice that you don't know where they are, you know. Um, and she, fi- she finds the doll and she says, you know, and she says, let's be best friends. She's like, okay, I'll help you. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And I was so, and it got me, and I was so mad that it got me. It's like, God damn it, how dare you press that button? Yes, and they <laughs> press it so just, effectively. Yes, exactly. I'm Gabby Gabby. Will you be my friend? I'll help you. <laughs> Us. Oh, honey, what's wrong? I, I noticed while watching this and thinking back at Toy Story, it's almost always the case. Um, all of the suspense and drama and intensity of Toy Story is largely around like chasing to get to the next thing quick enough because they're so tiny and have so little control over the world around them. And almost all of that could be solved by not having um, moments where you completely stop that rush to have introspective uh you know talks and and to- this movie does it several times and like one of them is like we need to rush to get to the rv and then she sees the kid down there music completely changes tone shifts entirely to the kid they all go to help it's so cute it's adorable but in the back of my mind i'm thinking that rv is still there um i, <laughs> I had a little bit of that as well with uh this time around with the awning uh, towards the end right. when they're trying to keep the dad out of the the rv after everything they've put that poor man through uh <laughs> but they have like a, a long drawn out goodbye which again cried the first time that i saw that and got very emotional this time uh but it's like how long is forky down there just like hitting that lock button to keep right. To keep them from getting in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- there's there's a lot of that, but I'm I'm okay with it because it's so heartwarming oh, yeah. and adorable. Um, now this movie I, is. Um, go ahead, Nicole. Oh, so I just before we get too far away from talking about Gabby Gabby as a as a villain, it's like yeah, she's not entirely evil, but in some ways she's really insidious because she's like emotionally manipulating Woody to get him to give her his voice box. Yeah. She's like, oh, if only I would give anything to have that chance. And it's like she's practically looking up at him from under her eyelashes to see what effect she's having on him. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, ooh, ew, you know, and I think the older you are, the more that I think you. so because Claire and I were watching this, and and you said you have the moment where the little girl uh, notices Gabby, Gabby, and I turned to Claire and I'm like, I'm gonna laugh my ass off if she picks that doll up and throws it away, <laughs> and then <laughs> oh, not two minutes later does she do exactly that, um, and that is the adult in me that that <laughs> didn't like Gabby, Gabby and her manipulative BS, but yeah. Ends up being pretty darn cute. Um, yeah, is, they, they, they give her a good little. They give her, just give her a good little moment to kind because of, she is like she gets to be redeemed. She does, uh, but th- I, I will give credit to Christina Hendricks. I think does a, a very good job of playing that character in a way that like 
is mildly sinister throughout the whole yes. movie. For sure. You know she's lying to him. Is this Woody's midlife crisis? <laughs> is this retirement? Yes. Is this what it looks like now at the end? Well, that's what I was wondering. Is like, is this his midlife crisis or his retirement? I think which the movie's is, his midlife crisis and then leads to his eventual retirement, which is finding lost toys homes. Yeah, I think. I think. I, I think. Uh, I th- I think just what he had with Andy was so special that uh, that nothing can ever really replace that, and he has that crisis of like nothing. It'll never be that good again. Uh, <laughs> So, which leads to his retirement. So, I think it, it, it's yes to both of those questions. Is it uh, possible for Toy Story to come back again? And the reason I ask is because I remember when Toy Story 3 came out, there's a lot of buzz around the fact that we had waited all these years for a new Toy Story. It looked so better and new because the animation had jumped leaps and bounds. And, and it had a very, what felt like a very definitive ending, you know, the passing of the torch to the next kid to play with the toys and everyone's happily ever after for it. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected after seeing that, that they'd get a toy story Four just a couple years later. Uh, do you guys think that there's room for a fifth entry? Did, did this movie in, in its own way justify its existence? That's another question from David. I think you'd have to go with like a spinoff. Rather, I think it would be too much to try to go back to the story of, you know, Woody or Buzz. And, you know, and I I mean, the actors playing them are 60 or so now, Mm -hmm. you know, and their voices are two more movies out of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I think they'd be better off trying to go with. I don't know, either going with Bonnie's toys or starting from a different jumping off point, like the combat Carl's in the sandbox at the at near the carnival, which was one of my favorite moments oh, of the, you, uh, the movie where the two combat Carl's high five each other. And the third one's the left. Third one left oh, have you, have you not seen the, the special, the combat Carl like 30 minute one? I have not. No. Oh, it's well. It, it's mostly Jesse focused. It's about like them being in a hotel, and it's uh, that's where you first oh, meet Combat Carl, and it's real great. Uh, but but you're <laughs> right. Like there's some of these voices, like Estelle Harris, you know, has very few lines, but when she does talk, yeah. you're like, oh, Estelle Harris has um, has gotten up there in years. Uh, I, I yeah, also, she's supposed to sound like a, you know, like a, a Brooklyn grandma, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Pat, your angry eyes. <laughs> oh, so cute. Um, Part of me does also wonder if, like, Nicole, you talk about the, the cast starting to kind of age out of wanting to do this. If anyone just wants to hang out with Tim Allen, like, is there a reason I saw a little bit less buzz in this movie? And does it have to do with him defending the n-word i just don't know <laughs> like no no i think a lot of that is just because of like this is woody's story and i actually really like the buzz stuff that's here it is good uh, his internal monologue which is only him pressing buttons yeah yeah he's not given they're not given a ton to do a lot of the other toys but i think they're given like it, the movie's an hour and 40 minutes and it doesn't waste time you know it's it slows down yeah, when it wants nice. to slow down um 
the, the reason that I phrase the question, does this movie justify its own existence, is because I hate the question. Well, I hate the phrase, we, we don't need that. We don't need any, we didn't need a, a movie about talking toys in 1995. Society wasn't like, ah, if only somebody would tell the brave story of toys that come to life <laughs> when people aren't around. <laughs> no movie needs to exist. Like, I hate that whole thing. I'm like, we don't need it. You don't need a lot of stuff. Should but we tick off, like, of- your bingo card and also say this movie ruined someone's childhood? Sure, why not? Uh, probably <laughs> somebody complained that. But it's like it's like, like the Emoji Movie was terrible. If the Emoji Movie was good, it would justify its own existence. It wasn't for a lot it of reasons. <laughs> Go listen to it. But, you know, it just like this idea of, like, do we need, do we need a Ghostbuster sequel? No. If the movie's good great if it's not who cares like movies justify whether or not i'm going on so many rants in this episode <laughs> oh lord i the think you're right though doesn't go away just because there's a remake yes. thank you unless george lucas is involved uh yeah it's for me for me certainly if you, if you do want to go the route of like do we need this is it is it relevant to have i think it, it tells enough of a different story right like this story of 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 Woody's, you know, search for his new reality and what that looks like, and also in conjunction with that Forky kind of moving into that that role, is different than what I've seen in different Toy Stories. If you get the same rehash of stories over and over, then no, it probably doesn't justify its existence. Right. But as long as it can keep exploring these very real, you know, emotional. Uh, realities that Pixar is just so incredibly good at and they've based all their movies upon, I think that this movie and anything else they do like it totally justifies its, its existence. Yeah. That's when they just... put in the okay. new characters are so well done. They don't feel like afterthoughts. You know, the officer giggle. What's her oh, name? Yes. The, the, um... the tiny pocket toy. Oh yes, what the a divorce by Ali Mackey. <laughs> what is what is her character's name? It is Giggles McDimples. Giggle McDimples. Giggles, Giggle McDimples, yes. Giggle McDimples, the you know, Paw Patrol officer. <laughs> yes. And it's just adorable. It's just the the ingeniousness of showing the different scales of toys and how like different the different proportions of different toys, like you get Woody standing next to Bo Peep and Bo Peep is like almost properly human proportions and Woody is so you know, gangly and weird head's big and you know his head is like twice the size of Bo Peep's and it's weird but you know they get along and then you know Giggles McDimples is, is can stand on Bo Peep's shoulder she's so tiny you know and it's I, I do love that they get all those details correct you know, and even um, like Ducky, you know, the fluff on his head moves the way that acrylic fluff from the cheap toys at carnivals moves in the wind. But when it, when in his imagination, he grows into the giant duck like that, the fluff on the top of his head sort of waves the way it would if it were big and there were more air resistance. And it's, they, uh, well, even Rabbit yeah, you know, has the plastic sorry. hanger still attached to his head. Yeah. Yeah, Bunny's still got the plastic Bunny. hanger. Bunny, <laughs> rather, yeah. One of my favorite things in any Toy Story movie is Woody running. I I, I love any scene where Woody runs because he, whenever he starts, it's so like, 
I'm just waiting for his legs to spin like Wiley Coyote <laughs> before he takes off. He's just so gangly and weird, and it, I love it. Another great bit that just reminds me of Woody walking. I love the shot when he's walking um, Forky back to the RV after Forky jumps out of it for freedom. Um, <laughs> and it eventually leads with them getting along buddy buddy, but is just dragging Forky. But because of the way Forky's built, he can't really walk on his own very well. So no. it's just like dragging, dragging, dragging hits the right spot where he can then start waddling for a couple steps before he's dragging again. And and it's exactly like a parent walking a toddler is doing exactly. a passive thing. <laughs> and then by the end, he's carrying him like a, a parent might a toddler. Like he's not just like kind of picking him up and holding him like under his arm. Like he's like cradling him and like talking to him. It's adorable. Like it or not, you are a toy. Maybe you don't like being one, but you are one nonetheless, which means you are going to be there for Andy when he Who's Andy? I mean, Bonnie. You have to be there for Bonnie. That is your job. Well, what's your job? Well, right now, it's to make sure you do yours. Love it. Uh, Nicole, you mentioned, and we'll close on this, that it, it seems l- less modern than, than its predecessors. And is that a good or a bad thing? And I think you're totally right. It doesn't quite go for the jugular on <laughs> some of the more sentimental and, and emotional bits than previous Toy Stories have, at least for me. Like, there's there's still some really poignant stuff in there that I love, but it doesn't feel quite to that degree. Is that kind of what yeah. you're getting at? Well, it doesn't have, like, that... that- like the song from the first movie, you know, I will go sailing no more when Buzz realizes that he's just a toy and can't fly. And it's a very deeply sad moment. And then <laughs> in the second one where Jesse's thinking about her, oh, her yeah. girl and the Sarah McLachlan song is yes. playing in the background, you know, so it's these and the, the third one's got some sad bit in it. I think that's I think it was Lotso's story. Or some such, I want to say, but this one doesn't have the sad, the sad song over the sad moment to doubly yank on your heartstrings. Yeah, and it, I'm wondering: is that does this make that does it make this movie? Is it a good or bad thing for the movie? Does it improve it by its absence, or did you miss it? I think I think it's good. I think this movie is more introspective um, and a little bit existential at times. Um, But I think the reason it, I I think because it doesn't do that, it kind of avoids becoming formulaic in the fourth movie in a series. Um, It allows it to maybe stand on its own a little bit more. And it's also, you know, it's not Woody is sad, but it's not in that same way of like my past trauma is coming to fruition. It is just him being like, (laughs) Being a toy is tough after 50, 60 years. Right. I, I also think that that what they commission Randy Newman to do is kind of indicative of that. Um, yeah. You know, like, You Got a Friend in Me is, like, kind of maudlin, right? Like, it is this this overly sen- sentimental look at Andy and, and uh, Woody's relationship. And I felt like the song in this one wasn't played that way at all you know like even though it's like don't throw yourself away it's 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 a comedy bit you know it is like that's how they play it off in the movie with the scene where forky keeps trying to toss himself out um yeah it's like a jazzy gospel number almost 
Absolutely. Yeah. And when he played it at the Oscars, that's exactly how he did it. <laughs> um, it, it. Yeah, that that strikes me as significantly different than some of the tone we've had from previous Toy Stories. And I think that's good. I think that shows that the to- that the toys themselves can mature with us, you know, that they can have different problems and different ideas. Although if you want to get really dark with it for a second, and you could... <sighs> It, it's basically covering up the fact that Forky keeps trying to commit suicide. But yeah, it gets kind of... <laughs> jumping I mean, into like... the trash. <laughs> and implying that he had some vague sort of sentience as a spork where he knew what right. his That's the mission dark part. was. <laughs> That's the dark part, is that trash apparently has a... a like that everything in the universe has some sort of innate purpose. And... Right. <laughs> You know, his was like, uh, I was used for, for chili or it was like something or chili and now I'm trash. And it's like, oh, oh God, it's everything. <laughs> I was destined that. for what, like soup or salad or maybe chili, chili. and then yeah. the trash. And then the trash. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It is kind of, I mean, it's, they have enough of the, uh, of the, the comedic moments to distract you away from the fact that he's just unendingly trying to kill himself. Um, I don't think he's trying to kill himself. No, but that's to... how, no, for right. sure. No, he's trying that's to how it... his destiny, but his destiny is to just basically be nothing for the rest of his right. life. Right. It, it comes, you're, it, it's, as, you're correct. it's, it's 100% one of those things that we're thinking about it differently because we're adults. Yes. Um, no, <laughs> but I do love the shot where he lands in the trash after the morning and Woody wakes up and he's just nuzzling like a receipt or something like that in the trash. Like it's a warm <laughs> blanket. Yeah. He, he finds I, his way out of that though. At the end of the movie. Good, good on you little forky. Well, I, I, I also a follow up to that joke is when uh, they're trying to convince Bonnie that, you know, you know, like she's falling asleep and like not having her freaking out. So they put a spoon with her. A real <laughs> spoon. Yeah. yeah. Like, should we go with a fork? <laughs> a spoon is safer. That's uh, right. Love it. Yeah. So good. Uh, so Toy Story 4. Uh, Nicole, are, are you glad you saw it? I'll, I'll turn it to you as the other person who um, saw us for the very first time this week. I am glad I saw it. I was I was concerned. I had a lot of concerns, and I was just like, yeah, you know, and it's like, yeah, this is kind of, this is kind of more lightweight than the other ones, and I'm not really feeling the emotional impact. And then, you know, Ducky and Bunny showed up, and I was like, oh, hey, oh yeah, I know those guys. Hey, that's fun, you know. That's, that's funny, especially the bit where he's like trying to kick Buzz, and he has to explain why. Because his legs don't reach, so he needs <laughs> his friend's assistance. <laughs> and um, and then they introduce Duke Kaboom, and I'm like, oh my god, this is this is an incredibly awesome character. This is amazing. And then they get to the bit with the lost little girl at the carnival. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> damn it, you got me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm glad I saw it. I would I would recommend it. Um but I I would say, you know, don't expect this to have quite I don't know if it's because I didn't see it in a theater, but for me it didn't have quite the same emotional impact as the other ones. Yeah, I I adored this. It reminded me um I feel like in a way it's it's less heavy on me than some of the more recent Pixar movies that I do love. Like I think about Coco and dead grandpas and, and like, it's just like, I don't yeah, know. Coco's there's or, one to watch if you want a good cry. Coco's right. So or, or even, or even things like, 
gosh, you know, up is like there's parts of up in the beginning up that like there's a lot of I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of death in Pixar movies um, that lead to very sentimental and beautiful things. And like, I do feel that that this feels feels a little bit lighter in that regard for me. It feels like it's a little bit more lightweight, but not in a bad way. Um, And I just. Yeah, yeah thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it i i love these characters i was reminded why i loved them growing up and i haven't seen them in so many years so um absolute joy to watch though i still think that if you are three four years old there are parts of this movie just like the others kind of terrifying so uh if you're yeah kid- that was funny when they say goodbye to benson and forky's just like and he is terrifying <laughs> <laughs> right right so so if, if your kid is has any reason to be terrified of of doll-like puppet creatures, then this is not going to help that situation at all. Um, so maybe hold out a couple more years before you show them the movie. But otherwise, absolutely delightful. David, great pick. Do you have any closing thoughts as our, our chooser of the movie? Oh, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you both enjoyed it, especially if you uh, thought that maybe you wouldn't enjoy it as much as you did. Um, and I hope that, that maybe... Uh, there's someone out there listening who's been avoiding it for similar reasons, who's perhaps heard this and thought, hey, you know what? Maybe I should go check that out. Yep. Right. And we have not spoiled all the jokes, by the way. No. There's, there's oh, no. Plenty even- more in there. There's plenty more Easter eggs in there. And the jokes that we did talk about are delivered so much better in the movie. Yes. Yes. Even us just like vaguely describing some of the bits are not, you're, you won't see all of them coming when they do happen. So. You're in for good time. Absolutely. Very, very good. Well, a reminder that next week we are going to be watching Moonstruck. That is part of Netflix Roulette. But again, we've expanded that to Prime Video, so you can find it for free streaming on Prime Video if you're an account holder there, which hopefully most people are to check that out and follow along. Let's quickly go around the table. David, where can people find you online? Uh, Just follow me on Twitter under the username Davluz. That's D-A-V-L-U-Z. You'll find all what I'm doing there. Very good. And Nicole? I take care of our Facebook page, facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. Be sure to find us on Twitter, the show, Movie Go Round Podcast as well. We would love to hear from you on either that platform or on Facebook. Leave us a message on either of those. We'll read it on the show. We'll interact with you. We'd love to hear from you. And we will see you next week with Moonstruck. Does this mean Woody's a lost toy? He's not lost. Not anymore. To infinity and beyond.